0: This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille.
1: Hey, 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 all you mindful listeners. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. Uh, This segment, we're going to be talking about, this show, I should say, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, menopause. Yep, 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 yep. So first of all, full transparency, I am a proud menopausal woman. Um... All throughout my career as a naturopathic doctor, I think I have fought all of the different um, myths and misconceptions and tried really, really hard uh, to inform women about this totally wonderful, uh, very natural, if you're lucky enough to get there, phase of a woman's life. Now, unfortunately, in our conventional medicine um, arena, in menopause, you can actually, there's an, there's an ICD 10 code and that's a code for a diagnosis. So I don't know how this happened, but if you look up the code and the, and the word for sort of menopause as a diagnosis, it's, uh, ovarian failure. Now I kind of, have always made the joke, well, what are you going to call puberty? Is that, is that going to be called ovarian success? So I can hear you laughing. I can hear you laughing through the airwaves there, but what my point is, why would we want to pathologize and medicalize a normal phase? However, I do want to honor that in our modern day, women coming towards this period of, uh, no pun intended, menopause and winding their periods down and going through menopause can be fairly turbulent, but there are reasons why. So in the spirit of identifying and treating the cause, we're going to have a great conversation with Dr. Mesh Seibel. He is going to talk about what women can really expect during menopause. He was selected by his peers as one of the best doctors in America. Get out of here. But it's true. A member of the Harvard Medical School faculty, he brings innovation to health education, focusing on creative approaches to help America stay well. He is a national expert in helping women in and around menopause, improve their symptoms, including sleep, stress, diabetes, and weight control. Dr. Seibel, thanks for being with us.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. And I'm glad you brought up from the beginning the misnomer that menopause is a disease because it isn't. It's a natural transition, as you said, just like puberty. And uh, women, I hope, will wear it proudly because it's a time of wisdom and a time of opportunity to even take who you are to a new level.
1: Uh, I just think that that's a that's just well put, beautifully and well put. Because I feel like my entire career, I've heard women almost do it to themselves. Where there's this idea that oh, they blame you know maybe some memory um, loss on oh that's just my menopausal mind, or um, I, I hear this you know, this, this process, as I said, in the introduction, certainly pathologized to a certain point. And I think that we can maybe point to not to get too much into this, but the pharmaceutical company, because I think back in the day, uh, when um, menopause, you know, was part of what I would call disease mongering, you create a market Um, by creating a disease. And menopause is a huge market, because as I said, every woman is going to get there. Um, If we can make people feel badly about it, if it's something that is wrong, and we've got a drug, you know, which was the, you know, point, you know, 625 milligrams of that horse urine to fix it, then you've got a huge market. And I think some of the backlash has just been historical.
0: Well, it has been and a lot of it has to do with a lot of misinformation too, because Really, um, menopause is the word that is somewhat uh, dreaded by women because they'll sometimes even call it dreadopause because it's a, it's a time when women are made to feel older, older. They're made to feel uh, less viable, less valuable. But that that isn't anything to do with the truth. And the fact is, is that the use of hormones may or may not be for a given person, but at least people should understand that they are a viable option and that the concern about hormones has really largely been to a very bad study that took place in 2002 that incorrectly stated that estrogen increased the risk of breast cancer and, and other problems. And if you want, we can talk about why that isn't true and why they got it wrong. But there are lots of things that women can do in order to make themselves feel better, to feel younger, to feel more vibrant, and to there's treatments for literally every symptom that they have. Many of which include just eating healthy and living healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what women really can expect in menopause, and you know, and what lifestyle changes should they prepare for?
0: Well, first of all, in menopause, first of all, what is it? It's an it's a time when periods quit. Uh, they stop because the number of eggs in the ovaries are no longer present, and so estrogen levels drop. So the, the defining definition is one year since your last menstrual period. And for some women, they think that's when they're going to be quite old. In fact, the mean age of menopause is 51, but 5 to 10% of women go into menopause before age 45 and 1% before age 40. So it's not about age, it's all about transition. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, is that the symptoms are as variable as women are variable because some women will have few symptoms, although about 80% of women are going to have some symptoms. And the common symptoms are going to be the warmth, the hot flashes, that the sweaty experiences that are synonymous with menopause but disruptive sleep can be a change. Anxiety, mood swings can be common. Uh, There can be changes in in having a more sensitive bladder. There are a whole host of palpitations of the chest. There are a whole lot of things that can be happening and people just have to be aware that if it's not what you're used to and something is changing, that change could be due to menopause even if you're a 40-year-old woman and not a a 55-year-old woman or a 50-year-old woman.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. W- w- very individualized. And I've seen people fly and scoot through menopause with absolutely no symptoms whatsoever. And then on the other spectrum, I exactly. have seen women. Um, yeah. And then, you know, in, in my spirit of of identifying and treating the cause, um, you know, I, I, I think that it really hit me professionally when I truly understood that. Sort of like the built in backup system for pre and and postmenopausal hormone production somewhat has to do with our adrenals they they kind of step up to the plate when our and our ovaries take a well deserved break and and I think the way that our our lifestyles are, are so full of, um, compounded and confounded stressors. Sometimes I think that backup system tends to fail women. And that's why menopause can be a little bit more turbulent. But if we just say, Oh, it's just because you're in menopause and don't look deeper into, as you said, there are solutions for almost every symptom that is sort of presented and a, uh, a, you know, qu- sort of under the umbrella of menopause. Um, you can find those causes and then treat those causes.
0: Exactly. As a matter of fact, if your listeners want to hear or take a a free quiz, they can go to menopausequiz.com and they can get a two-minute quiz that will tell them how much their symptoms are affecting them because the symptoms do vary. And at menopausequiz.com, it's a simple way to find out how much your symptoms are affecting you. But the most important part to realize, the the most important thing to realize is that there there are uh, symptoms. There are treatments for every symptom and just to uh, accept it because life, as you pointed out, is very stressful. Midlife is the time when kids are getting bigger and sometimes bigger kids have bigger issues. We have our parents who are getting older and so parents become a challenge when we try to help them transition into their next phases of life. Uh, Work can sometimes be a challenge, and there's a lot of things going on at work. And if you take all of the things that women have to face, not to mention the fact that women often make most of the health decisions for families, and women are often the ones that uh, bridge so many gaps for the family, all those responsibilities put a lot of pressure on women in midlife, and it's happening at a time when they may be going through challenges themselves.
1: Yeah. That midlife is a conglomerate of things going on. You're right. It's like the sandwich generation of still caring for your kids, caring for your parents at the same time. You've got work stress, financial stress, relationship stress. And then what about sex life? I know that a lot of the women that I see in my practice are completely worried um about uh, the, the, their sex life sort of coming to a, a halt when they reach menopause. And now, and, and sometimes, you know, Dr. Seibel, I do explain to them that now menopause by definition is sort of the end of your natural fertility years. So there could be a biological law in that process because there, as you have your cycle throughout your fertility years, there is a time where people can remember, and I encourage them to do this when I'm talking to them, when they're feeling a little bit more of a robust libido and that biological pull to create or procreate at that time is very internal and very sophisticated and when this process in my opinion sort of uh winds down there can be a natural lull because it's also a very introspective transition as as you had mentioned um but isn't it true that you can have a very robust sex life post-menopause
0: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, for some women, just knowing they won't get pregnant is, an ins- is uh, very stimulating. And in fact, they, they increase their desire. So it, it, menopause is, uh, in terms of libido and sex life, is as varied as women are. About, about 20% to 25% are going to have a significant impact on their uh, sex life. And some of that will be because they may be letting their general health decline. Some of it may be because the, all of the things we talked about in midlife that are stressors that keep them very tired. Some of it may be because of uh, the hormonal changes that are happening. Relationships can sometimes suffer. I mean, there's more going on than only menopause. But the things that women can do and the things that are, are some of the common things that women complain about that are easily fixable are things such as vaginal dryness which happens about three years after menopause when hormone levels have been down for several years and then they start to feel dryness and then discomfort and pain during sex and when that happens they don't attribute it to menopause because it's about three years out but yet just by putting a little bit of a local estrogen vaginally they can restore the vaginal tissues to premenopausal levels and everything that was will return. So that very, very common thing can change, uh, very, very favorably and very, very quickly. Other things in terms of desire are also linked into general health. So if people are continuing to stay healthy, to eat healthy, to continue to have, uh, to exercise, to, to continue to have a healthy lifestyle that's going to help also their um their sex life and also a lot of people are taking medications, particularly mood affecting ones around menopause. They may feel a little bit sadder or they may end up getting all of their symptoms just associated with just oh it's it's all in your mind and they start getting antidepressants which is. About 30% of women will be taking in midlife, 25% will be taking. Those can have a negative effect. So the medicine that you're taking could have a negative effect on your sex life. So there's a lot of things to tease out. And the thing I would just encourage women to do is if you've noticed change in your sex life is to talk with your healthcare provider. And if they're not comfortable talking about it, then to go ahead and find someone that is, because this is a very important topic. It's very important part of who a person is and their self-esteem and their relationship. And they should just realize that there's a lot that can be done. And there are a lot of people to help them.
1: Yeah, I love that, that you put that information out there. Because I think what's really important these days, and what I always encourage my patients, no matter what they're going through, um, is the whole idea of a second opinion. Um, you know, if I feel like doctors work for you, and if you're not getting what you need, perhaps from your your primary doctor or the doctor you're currently seeing, that there are not only other practitioners, but there's other systems of medicine um, that could perhaps take up your case, listen to you a little bit more comprehensively, and then offer. Uh, some some solutions uh, and and that, that, you know, they're more comfortable in talking about things like sex life during menopause and and offering solid Definitely. solutions. And, yeah, instead of just here, take this, as you said, which is a medication like an SSRI, which is going to do what? It's going to decrease that libido even more and then um, we're not doing that patient any good, that's for sure.
0: Right. As a matter of fact, in the last year or two, there's a new, there's been a couple of new medicines for women's libido that have come out. One has come out as recently as just in the past uh, weeks. It's been approved by the FDA and will be available in the fall. And another one that came out just about uh, a year or two ago that are available in addition to other kinds of treatments that can help. And a lot of time, just talking about it can can open the door to a big change because that's something that's it's very important. And the, the reality is that only about seven percent of women who are struggling with this problem actually talk to their doctor about it because either they think that the doctor won't talk about it or can't talk about it or is going to be embarrassed to talk about it or they're going to be embarrassed talking to their doctor about it or uh, they think there's no solutions and both of those are wrong and they're, they're inaccurate and I would say that if you do have an issue along those lines Talk about it at the beginning of the visit. Don't wait until the end of the visit when everyone's walking out the door because then there's no time. And then if you do find yourself in that embarrassing moment where you bring it up and finally get the courage and there isn't time, then just say, could we make another appointment for this so we can come back and just address this one problem because it's very important to me. And if they can't do that in a good way, in an open way, who can? And then find that person.
1: Yeah. So self-advocacy, I love it. And, you know, unfortunately, that's what it takes these days, in my opinion, to get your best care is to care for yourself and get your needs met and um, do all those things that you're talking about. So I really appreciate that advice, Dr. Seibel. Uh, you know, there are some some risks uh, that are associated with menopause. What do you say about those? And how can you, what, what do you tell women to help minimize those health risks through this period?
0: Well, I think the general health things that every woman should do, I mean, fit, women are worried about breast cancer, of course, but many women don't realize that the chances of them dying from a broken hip, if, they, if they're healthy in age 50, is about the same as their risk of dying of breast cancer. So I would say when you get to be around 50, you should be talking with your doctor about getting a bone density and making sure that the, your bone strength is good and you're doing something about it if it isn't because that's something that can do you in at a later point in time. And you want to live, not only do you want to live a long time, but you want to also be in charge of your of your physical body and make sure that you're strong. Uh, people need to be checking their thyroid function because that's a really common thing in women in midlife and they aren't being checked for that all the time regularly. Uh, mammograms are very important. Colonoscopies at age 50, just the general health things that keep you healthy and vibrant are going to be the kinds of things that you want to check out. Make sure that you're getting regular uh, exams. And now, because of the changes in pap smears, uh, where, where women don't have to come back for pap smears as often as they used to, many women aren't going in to get pelvic exams so that their ovaries can be checked, which is important. Many pimp women aren't getting... The opportunity to discuss domestic violence, which unfortunately is way too uh, frequent in our country. Women don't get a chance to talk about, uh, get their blood pressure and cholesterol checked, just the general health things. And those are the things that are going to keep and sustain you as you get older. It's not all about menopause per se. It's about what happens as we get older. So just those kinds of things are are really important. Just be seen at least once a year and get routine testing done as is appropriate.
1: Yeah, another great tidbit for listeners out there that you can't just... And, you know, you can't just say, oh, I'm in menopause and that everything that actually happens to you post you stopping menstruating has to do with menopause because you still have a vibrant vitality, a vital force, a body, you know, and things that come up are symptoms just simply trying to get your attention so you can pay attention and check out things that probably shouldn't be there and to categorize it just as, well, I'm menopausal, that happens. I've seen get get women in trouble, so Dr. Seibel, I really right. really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so you
0: know you uh, talk about can I about, say a word about oh please I was going to ask take it I away say say a word about about hormones because this is the thing that most women are worried about that they're going to have a negative impact of hormones. In a book I wrote that's a recent called "The Estrogen Fix," I explain how things got so messed up with hormones, and in, in a very uh, quick summary, that study that showed that hormones, you know, caused breast cancer, heart disease, and other things, which was incorrect. The reason that it was so flawed is because the study was done at a time when so many women were on hormones, they couldn't find anybody that wasn't on them to be in the study. So most of the women that got hormones in that study were between the ages of 60 to 79 years old whereas the women that got the placebo were between 50 and 59. And so the older women ended up having more problems, and it was wrongly associated with hormones as opposed to age. And what happens is in subsequent studies where this was redone, not not a new study, the same study, but they reanalyzed the same data and matched women age 50 to 59 with each other, Estrogen has very little to do with risk of breast cancer, if any. The risk of breast cancer, if it exists at all, is about the equivalent of having dense breast naturally or drinking a glass of wine uh, a day. And in women who have had a hysterectomy and take estrogen only, the risk of breast cancer actually goes down by about 23%. And and even in the study as it was, women who were in hormones lived on average two years longer than the women who didn't take hormones. So I just encourage women to at least have a new talk about hormones so that they can get current information. Because what happened was, as a result of that study, the number of women in America that stopped taking hormones went down by 80%, 80%, so that today, only 20% as many women are on estrogen as were on it in 2002 and that's caused a generation of women to suffer unfortunately without a real reason for that suffering and so they didn't get to take care of their symptoms and they also had to take care of uh deal with all of that for for information that wasn't accurate so the book is called the estrogen fix if if people read that, they'll understand it, but at least talk with your doctor about it and get accurate current information. Yeah, that's a great
1: point. There are, you know, just as much as there is, I think, with menopause, there certainly are with hormone. Uh, and I, I would, I, I, I certainly think that we're moving away from calling it HRT or hormone replacement therapy. I guess my, my take on it is that, you know, hormones do decline naturally at this time. So we're using hormone therapies to optimize the hormonal cascade. And I think Deepak Chopra, in my opinion, says it best. You touch one strand and the whole web trembles. So sometimes the imbalance, even post-menopause, has to do with maybe a hormone being used to compensate for a hormone, another hormone that's low. Uh, certainly in a case, progesterone has the ability to be converted to cortisol. So looking at the whole steroidogenic pathway and not just firing kind of like, I think, the old approach to uh, used to be kind of, you know, fire ready aim almost. And, uh, it was just cattywampus as far as how we were assessing the hormonal system for these women who are hormonally imbalanced, even post menopause, and trying to treat them. And then I agree with the data. What you're saying is that hormones can be used effectively and safely, uh, if you have a, a big picture mentality and the right approach.
0: Right and remember in 1900 just that short time ago the average age of a woman was only uh, about 51 or 52 years old for a lifetime. I mean things have changed dramatically. Women are now living a third of their life in menopause and so they have a much different perspective on the future. Women are living a longer and fuller lives and they they don't have, I'm not saying you have to take hormones by any means. I'm saying that it could be something that has Uh, something that has merit for you and just inquire about it and make sure that you make your decision based on on facts and not on the myths. I call it myth understanding. I also, if I could say for your listeners, if they would like, I have a a magazine called The Hot Years, which has- I was just going to bring that up. And I would like to offer it to all of your listeners at no cost They can go to HotYearsMag.com, HotYearsMag.com, and they can subscribe free to their inbox. It's a digital magazine, and you can get all of this information and videos and exercises and recipes to help you navigate this time in life because I think that empowerment comes with information, and the more you know, the more you'll be informed to go and sit with your healthcare provider and get the information you need. And at least have a discussion with that person so that you can make the best choices for yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wonderful. Well, what an amazing resource you are for women who um, have these myth conceptions, you call them. Yes, I agree with you. Um, Yeah, people people can know more about you uh, at Dr. Your First Name, uh, Mesh, which Mm -hmm. is... D- D- M A C. It, so it's it's uh www uh, that's D R M A C H E dot com, and then of course your Facebook link is facebook.com forward slash my menopause magazine, and that's where those hot years magazines can be found, and I'm sure that you have a great community there. But Dr. Seibel, what you do and the information that you give in assisting women in really understanding what they can expect during menopause and certainly telling them that, listen, if there is an issue, guess what? It is outable and yet got to ask those good questions. And if you need a new opinion or, an, or a second look, um, go ahead and find that because I think knowledge is power and self-knowledge and self-advocating is super power. What about you?
0: I couldn't agree with you more and I want to thank you for having me on your show and trying to... Give women some information to be helpful to them in this very exciting time in life.
1: I agree. Thank you. And very exciting indeed. As you said in the top of the show, your wisdom years, your crone years, you have less energy concentrated below your waist and you get to ascend up into our higher brain centers, more intuition, and and hopefully tons more fun and relief. Um, so let's just keep spreading the great word. Dr. May, May Seibel, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, mindful listeners, we're just trying to open up your mind a little bit, certainly having to do with one of the most misunderstood natural, lovely phases of a woman's life, menopause here on Mindful Medicine. We're going to see you next time.